Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the neighborhood. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. of house they don't build anymore a relic of a simpler time and it has stood empty for a long while now it's back it's an experience in terror you will never forget it became semi-famous and overly creepy a gorgeous dutch colonial bought by a happy couple back in 2014 as a home for them and their young children but the happiness did not last long Shattered by letters from the Watcher. New Jersey. Do you know where Westfield, New Jersey is? Vaguely. Vaguely. It's a very rich part of New Jersey. That's why I'm not as familiar. That's that's it? That's it. Well, this story is has become kind of folk legend in this part of New Jersey because it is about Derek and Maria Bradius, the house they bought, and the watcher of this house. It is truly terrifying. As I was doing research on it, I couldn't believe it was real. Like it was like every part of it. I'm like, how is this not solved? What is happening with it? Can I devour every piece of information about this? So I'll start from the beginning. 2014. In June of 2014, Derek and Maria Bradius bought their dream home. It was a six-bedroom 1905 Dutch colonial revival at 657 Boulevard, just a few blocks from Maria Bradius's childhood home in Westfield, New Jersey. So you probably know this already, but Westfield is about 45 minutes from New York, and in 2014, it was ranked the 99th richest city in America. There's a lot of cities in America. 99th is pretty good. The website Neighborhood Scout named it the country's 30th safest town. Also, damn. The Bradiuses bought 657 Boulevard just after Derek celebrated his 40th birthday, and their three kids were already debating which of the house's fireplaces Santa Claus would use. Derek grew up working class in Maine, and then kind of moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan and became a senior vice president with a large salary large enough to afford the $1.3 million house. Three days later, around 10 p.m., Derek Bradius had just finished an evening of painting at his new home when he went outside to check the mail. They were doing some renovations before they moved in, so there wasn't much mail-wise except, like, a couple bills. And then there was this white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner. The note itself was typed. It said, 
Dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. Friendly enough. It went on. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of this house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. The letter identified the Bradius's Honda minivan and workers renovating the home. I see already that you've flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it is supposed to be, the person wrote. Tisk, bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and chatted with their new neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10 years old, ran around the backyard with some other neighborhood kids. Pretty normal stuff. The letter writer knew that somehow and said, You have children. I've seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. He then wrote, or she, Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with young blood as I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family, or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Terrifying. The envelope had no return address. Who am I, the person wrote. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard and all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in cursive font. So typed in cursive font. The Watcher. Terrifying. Does not make sense. Very strange. Very long, too. Like, I I couldn't get a hold of the letter in its entirety, so this is kind of cobbled together from different reporting of the letter. And I think that's part of the reason is because they they are still kind of keeping that close or that the authorities are kind of keeping it close to the investigation to make sure that people don't know everything about it. But what are your first reactions of that? It's a lot of information on what I thought was a very small card. I mean, it was like a <laughs> chapter in a novel. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty frightening. And it makes me think, maybe we'll get to this part, but do the previous tenants have run-ins with this person or did mm-hmm. did the previous tenants kind of fall within the guidelines of what the watcher thought was appropriate or wanted for the house? Yeah. We'll get a little bit of that, but not all of it. Derek Bradius, after getting this letter, raced around the house, turned off all his lights so no one could see inside, and then called the police department. Smart. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, quote, what the fuck is this? Derek then rushed back to his wife and kids who were still in their old home. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple who sold them 657 Boulevard, right, to ask if they had any idea who this watcher was. Andrea Woods replied the next morning. A few days before moving out, the Woodses had also received a letter from the watcher. The note had been, quote, odd, she said, and made similar mention of the watcher's family observing the house over time. But Andrea said she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 23 years in the house and had thrown the letter away without much thought. That day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station where Detective 
Leonard Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met, and all of whom were now suspects. The Radiuses, again, were very, very freaked out by this. Everything I read, they were just like, it feels like every quote is in a complete panic, which, again, completely understandable. Derek canceled a work trip. Whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into a corner where she wasn't looking or, you know, exploring past where she was comfortable. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, he froze when the wife said, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. The Bradius's general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he'd hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Two weeks after the initial letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. This time the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Bradius. The letter identified the Bradius as three kids by birth order and then by nicknames, the ones Maria had been yelling. I'm pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought me, it said. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular, whom the writer had seen using an easel inside the enclosed porch. Is she the artist of the family? 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as soon as you move through the house. Who am I? I'm the watcher and I've been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Bradius family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy move-in day. You know I will be watching. Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. They were no longer sure when or if they would move in. Several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Where have you gone to, the watcher wrote. 657 Boulevard is missing you. The letters had been processed in Kearney at the U.S. Postal Service's Distribution Center in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked June 4th, before the sale was public, and the Woodses had never put up a for sale sign, only a day after the contractors arrived. A few days after the first letter, Maria and Derek went to a barbecue across the street welcoming them. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, and several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. The family was a little weird, Schmidt said, but generally harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway, as a kind of Boo Radley character. So of course they thought Michael Langford was the guy that was watching them. The Langford house was right next to the easel on the porch. That made sense. The family had lived there since the 1960s, when the watcher's father, the letter said, had begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Verlank... Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. 
it all kind of checked out. Michael Lanford was brought to the police headquarters for an interview. He didn't know anything about the letters, even though his story, again, kind of matches, but there wasn't enough evidence to hold him, and they let him go. Frustrated and freaked out, the Bradiuses began their own investigation. Derek set up webcams and spent nights watching to see if anyone was watching the house at close range. They hired a private investigator. Derek even reached out to a former FBI agent, the person who served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling and Silence of the Lambs. That's how rich they were. They were on a high school board of trustees together, so he had access to her. They also hired Robert Lenahan, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. Lenahan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M.M. Bradius. The salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day, and sentences has double spaces between them. Also kind of an old thing. The letters had a kind of literary style to them, which again, as I'm reading them, I'm sure like they seem haunting and kind of old school creepy, which suggested someone who read a lot. And there's not a lot of profanity given the level of anger and creepiness, which Lanahan thought was maybe like a less macho type of a writer. Or maybe the Watcher had just seen The Watcher, the Keanu Reeves serial killer movie, who was essentially like a stalker who was trying to get a detective. Lenahan didn't think the Watcher was likely to act in his threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply that someone was obviously very scary, very strange. Here's another part of the next letter they got. The house is crying from all of the pain it is going through. You changed it, made it so fancy. You're stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father, but he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. Lenahan recommended looking into former housekeepers or their descendants. Maybe the watcher was jealous that the Bradiuses bought the home and the writer couldn't afford the home. Meanwhile, Michael Lanford without that much evidence, was still suspect number one. In cooperation with the Westfield police, the Bradius has sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping that maybe that would prompt some kind of a response. It didn't. Eventually, the Bradius has hired Lee Levitt, a lawyer who met with the Langfords, to show them the letters. The meeting grew tense, and the Langfords insisted Michael did not do this, he didn't write the letters, and that he was innocent. There's reasons to consider other suspects. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was sent, which would make sending two more, like, pretty reckless. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks of the home. Bill Woodward, the Broadius' house painter, had also noticed something that was not quite right. The couple behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Broadius' property. One day I was looking out the window and I saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs, Woodward said. By the end of 2014, the investigation was going nowhere. Finally, Derek showed the letters to his priest, who just agreed to go on in and bless the house. So eventually the renovations were complete, but the idea of moving in the house filled the Bradiuses with absolute and understandable anxiety. Derek priced out trained German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans. All you have to do is work out in the backyard every day. And the Watcher's letters were getting worse. But before we get there, let's take a little break. Though we love what we do, Jason and I don't just Google true crime and weird history all day. Sometimes we need a freaking break. That's when I close my computer and pick up my phone for a little Best Fiends. Have you heard of it? 
You should because it's gotten over 100 million global downloads. We're huge fans of it, and you should be too. Best Fiends challenges your brain with fun puzzle levels, but it's not like this huge thing. It's casual. You can play one level or 17, whatever time allows for. There are enough stresses in our life right now. Don't let a game stress you out. Best Fiends is also a game anyone can play, literally. It is for adults, but honestly anyone can and enjoy themselves. Let me break it down. Best Fiends is an awesome mobile puzzle game and honestly different from anything I've ever played. It engages my brain, it's fun, and is whatever type of commitment you want. It's so low maintenance, you don't even need the internet. The internet. Speaking of internet, I was playing Best Fiends just to chill one day. I'm close to level 200 and my power went out. And honestly, I did not even notice. I played and like relaxed and I was off the grid and it was so fantastic. I only noticed I had no power or internet when it came back on and I had to get back to whatever I was doing at the time. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, hello, hello, how are you? Hello. We are also watching you from- We watching. Watching you from afar. Mm-hmm. Through- Time and space. Your, through, through, <laughs> your, through, through your technology. Mm-hmm. And you're looking good. Yeah. You're all looking great. You guys, have you lost weight? Yeah. Have you gained weight? Have Whatever's you taller? better. Yeah, whatever's- you, you have more hair. We'll tell you whatever you want to hear, and please tell us whatever we want. I don't mind being lied to. That's I like love being lied to. But we hope you're doing well. This is mm-hmm. our check-in. Mm-hmm. We hope things are good. We have a new bonus episode out. We do. On patreon.com slash ghost town pod. We know you have lots of time because it's the day before Thanksgiving. Early access uh-huh. with no ads or talking like this. <laughs> Some people are not crazy <laughs> Who about. Who likes this? Also, I speaking of being someone who doesn't feel like being alone with their thoughts, mm-hmm. I made an Etsy store. <laughs> Yay. It's etsy.com slash shop slash ghost of a chance shop. Ghost of a chance. And it is just mugs and t-shirts that are various ghost, devil, mm-hmm. Christmas, vampire-based <laughs> accessories and clothing and other weird stuff. So if you yeah. want to check it out, there'll be a discount code for our patrons. Ooh. Speaking of the iron fist of the government, <laughs> the fair mm-hmm. but tough fist of the government. I don't know why I'm seeing the word fist so much. It's very weird. No, it's, 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 it's a very, lot. It's unnerving. It's a, it's a little aggressive, it, I would say. But we have Ashley Matson, Ben Forsyth, Jeanette Link, Brandon Gaddis, mm-hmm. 
and the one and only governor. The one and only. Chris Witt. Ah, you you all, you're doing great, you know? We're taking another clobbering in the Apple Podcast review section. I just think it's people that, you know, probably are starting with some older episodes and they're getting a lot of this chatter right in the beginning. Understandable. But if you haven't left a rate and review on Apple Podcast, it helps suppress Mm -hmm. the negative. Yeah, that's what's always good to bottle that, bottle it, and suppress it. Yeah, right? That's suppress healthy. it because it, it it won't go away, but it will get more pressure filled and more problematic, and that's good. Yeah, and then we'll be we'll be at the wrong end of a true crime podcast Mm-mm. eventually. So Mm-mm. get it while the getting's good. Yeah, God, dare I venture back into our old episodes? I'm not sure. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, I have. I know. Well, you you kind of yeah. That's kind of I have perverse that you do that and try to improve them and it's like looking at your high school yearbook and reading the quote and thinking that was good that was a good quote (laughs) oh my goodness you got got any love letters for us we need more love letters yeah i think how, how would you feel about really just getting into the next watcher letter here's an excerpt from the next letter 657 boulevard is turning on me it is coming after me i don't understand why what spell did you cast on it It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass, and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. I'm, again, very, like, always surprised at how lengthy these letters are. I can tell if it makes it creepier for me or less creepy that that they're long and how verbose they are. At this point, too, the Broadiuses didn't know what to make of these either. They were completely out of their old house. They moved in, instead of into this house, 657 Boulevard, into Maria's parents' house while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes in 657. They told only a handful of friends about the letters, which left others to ask why they weren't moving in. They kept saying legal issues, and people were also wondering if they maybe they were getting divorced, had marital troubles, whatever. Six months after the letters arrived, the Broadiuses decided to sell 657 Boulevard. They initially listed it for more than they paid to reflect the new renovations. Big mistake. The rumor mill, as you might imagine, in moneyed New Jersey was going full force, and nobody wanted anything to do with the house, let alone buy it. The Broadiuses sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers, And again, by interested buyers, I mean to say there weren't that many and they were just hoping and really aggressively trying to get the word out that the house was available. They told Coldwell Banker, their realtor, that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids trickled in well below the asking price, but the Broadiuses weren't really ready to take such a financial hit after so much work. Derek and Maria thought about what they would have done had they initially been told about the horrible letters. On June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that they should have disclosed the letter just as they had the fact that the water sometimes got into the basement. The kids still didn't know about the watcher, the Broadiuses' kids, I mean to say, And their lawyer assured them that at most it would be a small story, maybe in a local paper, if anything got out. Of course, that was not the case. A local reporter had found the complaint, which included snippets of the watcher's menacing threats. So this is just a tiny complaint, a couple like very, very small pieces of the threats, not even like the craziest of what I've read you. 
like I would say benign in the vernacular of these letters and timeline. And of course, he set up a lawn chair to conduct his own 24-hour watch. The Bradys has got more than 300 media requests, but with the advice from a crisis management consultant referred by one of Derek's colleagues, they decided not to speak publicly to spare their kids even more attention. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain the bonkers real reason they hadn't moved into their home. The kids were confused. They didn't quite get it. They deferred to their parents, but everyone was kind of in this, like, state of what do we do next? Meanwhile, of course, media had gotten wind of all of this. Not just, like, rumors around the town. A group of Reddit users, of course, obsessed over Google Maps Street View of the house, which showed a car parked in front of 657 that one user thought had a man holding a camera in the driver's seat. Others more rationally saw kind of a pixelated glare. The range of proposed suspects included a Jiltron mistress, a spurned realtor, a local high schooler's creative writing project, guerrilla marketing for a horror movie, maybe mall goths having fun. Some people just thought the Bradyses were wimps for not moving in. Quote, I would never let the sicko stop me from moving into a house. Never back down from a terrorist. Baron Chambliss, a veteran detective in the Westfield police, was eventually asked to really just look at the case, see if he could find anything. As he did, he discovered something actually incredibly shocking. Investigators had conducted DNA analysis of one of the envelopes. Nobody knew this until Chambliss looked into it and determined that the DNA on the envelope belonged to a woman. Chambliss decided to look more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. She was not a match to the DNA. Not long after, the prosecutor's office officially ruled out the Langford as suspects. The Bradyuses were stunned. They had recently told prosecutors that they planned to file civil charges against the Langfords and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again. And they were also back to square one, pretty much. They were still worried about sharing too much with their neighbors. They also spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped maybe someone might recognize the writing from somewhere. They hired Robert Leonard, a renowned forensic linguist and former member of the band Shanana, who did not find any noteworthy overlap when he looked through online forums for similarities, did his work. Although he did think the author might watch Game of Thrones because, and I don't know this because I have not watched Game of Thrones, Jon Snow is one of the watchers on the wall. But then more news broke. Around the same time that the Broadiuses had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. The parents of that family had lived in their house for years and their kids were grown, so they threw the letter away just kind of as the Woodses had. But after all of this news about the Broadiuses, one of the children posted about it on Facebook, then deleted the post. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been very similar to the Broadiuses. By similar, I mean insane. One night, Chambliss and a partner were sitting in the back of a van parked on Boulevard watching the house. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for Chambliss to grow suspicious. He says he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived in the same block as 657. The woman told Chambliss her boyfriend was into some very dark video games, including, in Chambliss's memory, one which he was playing a specific character, The Watcher. Chambliss figured the girlfriend or someone else could have helped, which would account for the female DNA on the envelope. The boyfriend was living somewhere else at the time, but Chambliss said he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. He did not show up either time. Chambliss didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear, and with the immediate tension dying down, he dropped this lead and moved on, I guess? Some theorized that the Bradyas has sent the letters to themselves, which is kind of a theme. That was what I've been thinking this whole time, only because it's the closest thing to who's the closest 
thing to this is uh-huh. them, but it didn't. See, I don't know what the. It didn't seem like it was anything to gain from it, and say mm-hmm. seemed to have lost money with the house. And yeah, I don't know. You'd have to look into their backgrounds, I think, to see what would come of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it and against it. And a rumor was that the Broadiuses had kind of suffered buyers at remorse from the place or realized they couldn't afford it or they wanted attention. I mean, they had received several movie offers from all of this after the media caught wind of it. They turned them down. But Lifetime eventually released a movie called The Watcher, despite a cease and desist letter from the Rodiuses. But the police had tested Maria's DNA and it did not match. Whatever, if they did it or not, they were complete outcasts in this community, the community that Maria grew up in but she still felt really strongly about staying in Westfield. Two years after the Watcher's letters arrived, again, this is two years of this, the Broadiuses borrowed money from family members to buy a second home in Westfield, using an LLC to keep the location private. In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, then tried to develop it, but were met with huge neighborhood dissent and zoning issues that became a gigantic thing, which is very boring. But finally, finally, a family with grown children and two very big dogs rented 657 Boulevard. The renter told the Star-Ledger that he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease to let him out in case of another letter. Two weeks later, Derek went to 657 to deal with some squirrel issues, of course. The renter handed him an envelope that had just arrived. The envelope started with violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. This letter, I want to say, Two and a half years after the Watcher sent its first letter, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day the Broadiuses gave depositions in the lawsuit against the Woodses. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots, the letter read. Maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who had no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. They were angry and it seemed the writer had been closely following the story. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates, the letter read. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the watcher. The renter was mentioned. He was freaked out, but agreed to stay if the Broadiuses installed cameras around the house. And the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. It was like we were back to the beginning, said Maria, but it also meant fresh evidence that might help invigorate the investigation. It didn't mean that. And the Broadiuses just kind of kept on with their renters. Hindsight made Derek and Maria wonder if they should have sold the house at a loss really early on, and 657 Boulevard conjured too much emotional pain for them to even consider at this point moving in. They hope that in a few years of renting the place without any incidents will help them eventually sell it. The prosecutor's office was continuing its investigation, but the Broadiuses knew it was unlikely the Watcher would ever be caught and the legal punishment would likely be very minimal. The Watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in Westfield. Last Christmas, this is our last Christmas, 2019, several families received an envelope in their mailboxes delivered by hand to the homes of people who had been the most vocal in criticizing the Broadiuses online. The letters all accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadiuses. The typed letters were signed, Friends of the Broadius Family. To this day, the mystery of the Watcher has not been solved. Could be that they did send the letters to themselves and it backfired where they didn't get out of the deal with the home. I didn't realize that. I thought if something never returned address, it wouldn't 
be sent. I was always oh. under that impression, but I guess that's not no, true. You don't need a return address. And in fact, I there was a thing that I used to do back when I was sending a lot of mail where you put your own address as the return one or you put the address of the person you're sending it to. So the return is just where it's being sent. It's a lot of mail hacks. That's the mail hacks you guys can use or not use, whatever you think. I just, I guess I wonder what the benefit would be for any of this. And it doesn't really seem like as of right now, from what, what you're saying, is that they haven't benefited from this. No, and that's kind of the maddening part of it. It's like, what is this for? Like, what are you doing? Are you just trying to get people to move out of this house? This person... And they did move out of the house. They did move out, but then they had renters in. But like, what is the... Like, what are they trying to do here? I don't... I, I just... I think it's like some just total like masochistic, you know, neighbor with mental health issues who is obsessive. I I just can't imagine who benefits from this. I mean, it'd be interesting to kind of set up something where only the person that is kind of watching them could see this because they said, oh, I, we noticed you set up this and you set up that. I was mm-hmm. wondering if there's like something they could do to kind of indicate that like only somebody who's actually watching could see that. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, it seems like there's like a lot of lack of cameras, but it's, it also it was the it was being sent by mail. So it was just, a, yeah. it wasn't like being hand mailed. And then you have a lot of other people that have that address now. Mm-hmm. So somebody who could stop by could be somebody like us just yeah. curious. So it, totally. it, it, it kind of, kind of muddies the, muddies the water a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, and it feels like very, and I think the reason that I was attracted to it too, is it's that canonical, like small, safe town, you know, and then the neighborhood kind of turns on the town and something that seems really scary and horrible in its own right gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm sure the media is aggravating all of this and the rightful paranoia around whomever is living in this house. And they'll just eventually probably raise it, you know, and so it'll be a vacant lot. So who wins in that case? I mean, there's no loss to the person sending the letters, I guess, Mm -hmm. if they're getting off on it in, in mm-hmm. some way. So it, no matter what happens, they're getting a reaction and they're knowing they're getting a reaction. So they must know a reaction is happening and how do they know that? And I wonder if the where, the stationery it's typed on, if there's any connection to where you would buy that. Mm-hmm. Is it something that's generic? Is it something that's very specific? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what you would uh, ask and if there's a stamp, is there, you know, on the back of the stamp, is there... But then again, they could just use a sponge or something like that to put yeah. that on there. It's a lot of ways to kind of cover your tracks, I suppose. Yeah. And also, as you send the letters, you get more evidence, theoretically. Although they didn't, except for the DNA, which no one really knew about till pretty far after the fact. But again, it's it's maddening because it's like, what is this for? Is this just someone's grotesque experiment And also, like, I kind of get it, too, where it's like you see these rich people. Let's say you have this house that was always, like, your fantasy house. And you see these, you know, rich white people moving in and doing a bunch of shit to it. And you're like, oh, I'm going to fucking fuck with them. I think it's worth – and I I don't want to blame – I don't want to victim blame. Mm -hmm. But is it worth to anybody, whether it's the casual person or people that have vested interest, to explore – the family a little bit to see, I don't know, anything, anything weird, like anything yeah. strange. And, and if there is something strange, it doesn't mean they did this. And if there's nothing strange, it doesn't mean that they didn't. But what is the benefit? And and is, are they suing the previous owners? 
they filed a complaint against them. And then I read that there was some hearing. I think they settled out of court for a small amount of money. So I just wonder where where the Brodiuses are mm-hmm. at the end of all this, I guess is what. Yeah. Are they, do they end up theoretically getting maybe what they wanted if they wanted to get out of the house? Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it seems like they did put work into it and such, and they didn't really seem like they were... But I mean, you never know. Like you say, if, ta- if we're talking about people with money, maybe they're mm-hmm. you know are like, hey, listen, this, this, you know, this buying this house with this laundered money mm-hmm. for some reason isn't working out. So let's I, again. I'm I'm really I'm really reaching. Yeah. It's just, it's so personal though too, and it's like to do what you're saying, where it's it's the Bradyses themselves, like the idea of them, like, and maybe this is part of it too. It's like they're so specific about their own kid. It's so like, ugh. Who definitely knows all the information that came in those letters? The family. They definitely know that. It's not like they said something that they had no idea. If they were like, look inside the top of this closet and you'll find a book. Yeah. And that might be someone's like, yeah, we didn't know that that was here. But everything else seems to be information that at a bare minimum, they had that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who beyond it? I mean, possibly plenty of people, obviously. It seems like neighbors, any neighbor could be the person. Yeah, well, I, I wish I could get more about who's living there or who rented it. The people who have the most information about this are clearly the Brodiuses who have, who directly received these letters. But also it could just be the Langfords, that creepy family next door who just decided. And we've done about that town in Iowa, I think, or the Ohio. Circle, the Circle letters? Yeah, the Circleville letters. Like, this is not exclusive to this case. The Just the idea of unexplained correspondence meant to you know, provoke, intimidate, scare people. And there, there's got to be like some psychological like phenomena about this. And what it's a stalking, but yeah, you know, it's, it's like distance stalking. <laughs> I or, mean, or how maybe, or it's, closely, not much, maybe yeah. it's not much, not much distance. Ugh. Either way, it's incredibly creepy. And I would not want to be in the position of this family or the people that live there. Or the people that used to live there. And I guess to everyone, don't check your mail. Don't check your mail. Your mail. Your mail. Your mail. Your mail. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.